Welcome to the Few Podcast. Never in the field of human contact was so much over by so many to so few. So you want to become one of the few. You can't skip steps. You have to put one foot in front of the other. Things take time. I have a dream. Have a dream. Hear inspiring stories from the few and learn about what it takes to turn your dreams into a reality. It's a day for all Australians, isn't it? It's a day brings us all together. Marvellous. your hosts, Boo and Sean. And uh, welcome back to The Few from the farm. We are still trudging away in our makeshift studio on the beautiful south coast of Australia. And we're going to be exploring some really important territory, particularly for your business owners and entrepreneurs, startups, but really anyone who's wanting to get from A to B and uh, the ability to tell your message in a way that jumps off a page, jumps out of a video, uh, gets traction. And we're going to talk to a bit of a, well, not a bit of a, the content marketing guru here in Australia. Nina, awesome last name, Christian, has joined us on The Few today to share some of her insights from her award-winning marketing company and how we can use the power of marketing to unleash our full potential, become one of the few. Nina. Hey, it's great to be here, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, awesome to have you, Nina. And now I can actually see why he wanted to get you on because of obviously the name, the name matching there. So, so that's all good. But I just Google Christian and whoever lands on page one, boom, <laughs> you're on the podcast. <laughs> so, so Nina, by the by, the understanding of your background and a little bit of what we chatted about earlier before the podcast, clearly you've been on the forefront of you know seeing what's happened in I suppose marketing, thought leadership, content marketing, all those sorts of things, creating authority and all that sort of stuff in the last 20 years. What's changed in that time that you have observed that you know that you can share with us today? Gosh, so I guess it's uh, redundant to say so much, isn't it? So when I started out as a marketer, it would be... You're not allowed to use the C word either, no no COVID. So we've got to look at the world before all the changes that happened in spite of COVID. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) So this is really the third big shift that I'm seeing in my professional career. So 26 years, the first big one was the dot-com boom, which... You know, we remember that around 2000 and early 2000s. And then there was a real big shift around with the advent of social media in the late 2000s. And then things have been kind of tracking along until the last, you know, little, maybe couple of years. And then we've seen some really, really big shifts. And one of those things is obviously the diversity of platforms that are available to us. And that poses a challenge to everyone, not just the marketers in the room, because suddenly everyone is supposed to be a marketer but also there's been a real shift towards and I'm not going to use the a word either the authenticity word but I'm going to talk about the need for brands be they business brands or personal brands or any type of person to be very human in their approach and that's what people are really hungering for and crying out for and that has obviously resulted in a shift from people wanting to be sold to, to people wanting to be communicated with and people wanting to be helped. And so marketing as a whole is no longer just about getting a particular message across. It's really about having a conversation and a dialogue and it's very much two-way and it very much spans the entire interaction that a personal brand would have with someone in their audience, not just that initial 
phase. So they would be just a few things. It's a big, big question, but it's a good place to springboard from for sure. Sean loves the big questions, David. Love leading with a nice big bomb boom mic drop. We call him mic drop, Sean. Exactly. So just start with like what's changed in marketing in 20 years. (laughs) It's very deliberate. It's very deliberate. Now we can go anywhere right? Now we can just go anywhere we like. So no, it's all good. But that's, I've seen the same thing, obviously having a personal brand myself is that need to, as you say, you've got to create a conversation. And and I think to a point, you have to build relationship through your content with people for them to take notice, given the, the sheer number of advertising, you know, I suppose impressions or, you know, exposures that we're getting every single day. But no, it's great to see, you know, that, that change as well. I feel that, you know, again, not to necessarily use that, that A word, that people actually just being real, people showing and sharing things that are that aren't that polished. That it's more about the context than just the content. You know, it's it's not. You've got to have the best video camera, and as you can see here, I don't at the moment. I this boo in the in the farm here. We normally have better quality, but in the end, it's about the quality of the conversation, not how the video looks. And it's about the the content that we now put into that, and the context we give around those lessons we've learnt. And a big part of the the few and why we you know we we love these conversations is to get other people's takes on you know you you've, you're part of a you know a successful agency and you've won awards you've done all those sorts of things maybe give us a little bit of your journey like how did you fall into the space of marketing was it by choice was it by accident and you know how have you evolved over time and dealt with the those changes and, and adapting to you know massive shifts in the market absolutely well as a marketer I've had several you know, it feels like lifetimes within a career. And when I first started, I, I started back in the in the mid-90s in the tourism industry and in the sports marketing industry and was doing a lot of, you know, really cool things, you know, Olympic games and all of that. And then from there, I just decided I wanted to start my own business. So I'd only been a marketer for probably about five years, practicing in a few different contexts and environments. But I, I got a taste through one of the you know, positions I was privileged to have. I always had a hankering for the entrepreneurial life, and that was evident right through my childhood and youth. And then you know, I kind of got into that career thing for a few years, but then I just, just started hankering for my own thing. And this was before entrepreneurialism in the way that we understand it today was... Every second person being an entrepreneur. Yeah, and back then... Or a one-entrepreneur. They want to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) There's a new one. Yeah, and I remember, you know, a lot of people looking at me going, are you crazy? You can, you know, pretty much have your pick of any job at the moment. I just finished a stint as general manager for a German sports marketing agency where we'd done projects for, you know, like big, big, the global household names, you know, running their Olympic shows. And I'd worked in the, at the Commonwealth Games for big names like Siemens. So, you know, working with organizations like that, I pretty much had like a pick of jobs to go to. And my, my contract finished, the games had finished, the Commonwealth Games were finished. And I just got invited to do, you know, a few. I actually didn't go out to start my own business. I just got invited to do different and interesting projects. So, you know, can you, you know, launch a fashion company in Germany? Yes, I can. Can you market this new thing that we now know as cloud computing? By back then it was application service providers. So first question, what the heck is it? And second question, yes, I can. And and so began, and then, you know, organisations, you know, very random at the time were like 
because they knew me through my Olympic involvement. So the State Chamber of Commerce in New South Wales said, can you go and market our Olympic prop, our IP around the Olympics to future bidding cities around the world? Why, yes, I can. And I just began this crazy um, journey of following things that really lit me up and these passions. And around the same time, I also co-founded an e-commerce startup, which was kind of really back in the day, it was really, really exciting. It's obviously before social media and we were still faxing and all the rest. And long story short, it was just worlds apart from where we are now, but it was this crazy, exhilarating, uh, wonderful existence and wonderful life. And so back then I didn't have kids and so I was, you know, travelling a lot and doing a lot of big projects and things like that and I pretty much um, started an agency but then in parallel to that, you know, had my e-commerce company and had a mix of in the agency big clients and then it's ongoing kind of retainer stuff and just found a groove that really, really grew. And then around 2007 I started having kids So I had five kids in between 2007 and 2014. So in that season, I still kept everything, you know, I I, I still kept going. I love what I do. The, the, The way I had built my business and structured my life afforded me to be able to be there with my kids and do, do you have your medal for being able to do that <laughs> to, 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 to birth and raise five children while still managing the business <laughs> it was definitely being either pregnant or breastfeeding for the best part of 10 years and you know changing nappies and all the rest so I got the help that I needed during that time and I took snippets of time off I would take a few months off actually when I was having the baby but because I didn't have a full-time job and you know if you can't see me I'm doing my inverted quote at what do you call it bunnies inverted commas quote things you know I could always ebb and flow and choose how I wanted to approach it on my own terms and also even as an agency so there were different seasons that the agency went through when there was a bigger team when then there was a leaner team and you know I was just being able to pick and choose the direction that we went in. And for me as a person, it was very much guided by what I wanted to be doing at the time. And so during that time of basically, you know, having all those kids, there weren't the, you know, big, fancy, exciting projects and things like that. It was just very much like I had enough you know, big, exciting projects happening in the personal space, obviously. I just wanted something, you know, consistent and regular and predictable in the, you know, professional space. But I really love what I do. It really lights me up. I'm not, I'm one of those people that would probably get bored and just get involved with something anyway, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing. I just get, I'm blessed to be able just to go hammer and tong at what I love doing. And so, Nina, one of the things you said before, which which caught my my ear, I suppose, is that you said, you know, this thing came along and you went, yes. And this other thing came along and you went, sure, I can. You know, how important is saying yes when you don't actually necessarily know how you're going to do it, but just say yes anyway? How important has that been in your, in your journey? It is so important. And it's one of the things, especially when people are starting out in their career and journey and life, that I say over and over again, which is probably why it came out that way when I spoke it, don't underestimate the power of a yes and when it can take you. And I see this now in reverse time and time again when I, you know, present opportunities to people. I mentor a lot of 
young marketers and entrepreneurs and I say, hey, do you want to do this? I think it'd be really good for you because blank, blank, blank. And the ones that would say yes, I've seen people take yeses and just do amazing things because of that yes. And I think it's two things. One, it's indicative of the attitude that's behind the yes, which is, well, I'm willing to just go for it, put my hand up for it and either figure out a way or find a way or make it happen somehow. And so and, and also there's a sense of rising into the challenge as well. So I, I don't say, and obviously it depends on your station in life and all the rest, there's, you know, there's seasons and especially for, you know, people who are in doing the entrepreneurial walk and, you know, they, they are, yes, by nature, they need to actually focus on what they're doing and double down on that to, to get that traction. But in those early stages, especially, or when people are, you know, in a rut and looking for, you know, something, something bigger or for a change, the, the power to see outside the, I guess, the, the possibility of what exists at the moment is huge. And often that yes is the, the, the link or the bridge into the gap into what could be next. And it's not to say every yes is going to be that, but, you know, it one of them will be. And for me, some of them will be. And, you know, I, I have a bunch of stories. I'm not going to tell you anyway because I want to let you ask your questions and all the rest, but it's something that I've definitely lived by. I, I just jump in like feet first if I think it's going to be a, a good opportunity but but it's definitely something that I train and encourage people to do is having that muscle to be able to accept something and know that you have within you the ability to actually step into that and grow into that and then because you do that new things and new opportunities open to you that you wouldn't have seen before and you have a new confidence level as well to be able to step into things that before you would have thought would have been outside the realm of your own reach. I like I like the analogy around that it's like it's you you open a door and then now you see another 10 doors you didn't see before and so whether that door itself gives you the outcome you thought it's now opened a pathway to other things I know that boo you've you've done a few of those hey I'm just going to say yes and yeah, see what happens and also it just puts a decision behind you it's just something you don't have to worry about anymore Mightn't have been a good decision, but it doesn't matter. The, the decision's been made. Now, Nina, obviously in marketing and for people in business, they look at marketing as the as the holy grail, the moneymaker, shake the tree and watch our businesses grow. Uh, what are some of the challenges when it comes to marketing and particularly around that content marketing space? Why do some companies get it so right? And even when I say company, I, I mean influencers, anyone who derives an income as a some sort of entity, what is it that makes the good ones stand apart when it comes to marketing? Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's not one thing. It's definitely a combination of things. So, you know, you said it at the top of the program, you know, Sean, about the volume of information that we are flooded with. And I like to call that infobesity. Like, right, these days there is no shortage of information. Anything you want is at your fingertips. It's Googleable if you're willing to spend enough time and effort to, to, to hunt something down. But when you can tap into a source that is going to shortcut 
the journey that you need to make that's going to make something easier or quicker or more fun or more enjoyable. It's going to have a tangible effect on your business or your life. That is someone or some brand or something that you're going to be drawn to. So people who do content really well harness that. So they are always conscious of the the reader and the experience that that person or the viewer or the listener or the audience is having through that content. And if you can have that lens of how is it making the person's life better and weaving that and, and basically crafting your content around that, you then position yourself to leverage the principle of reciprocity, which is essentially they've received from you because you freely give when it comes time to then you know doing business or having a business relationship you are the first port of call for where they would actually go to to seek out help or have that conversation so it's really having that lens through every single piece of content that you put out and that's not to say that it always needs to be a hundred percent like I'm really passionate about thought leadership content that's kind of my jam I teach a lot of around that I've developed the whole thought leadership content system which is kind of my I guess you call it signature thing and so I'm really passionate about thought leadership content but that's not the only type of content it's just one that I happen to focus on because it's really really effective and it's it's you know great for personal brands and and businesses that want to establish authority in the market but for different types of businesses that are you know e-commerce or that are different in, in in different areas thinking about the benefit, the business benefit to, or the personal benefit, you know, it it could be outside the realm of just, you know, straight hardcore value. It might be in the experience. It might be in the fun. It might be in the enjoyment of that. And that's where people derive huge amounts of engagement through, you know, through, through videos. And you look at some of the the brands and, and what they're, what they're producing. It's purely around entertainment because they know that, as people buy into the the content and enjoy it, that they're ultimately associating with that brand. So well, you look at you look at I mean Red Bull's a prime example. Exactly, that, I mean, that was the one on the tip you know, of my tongue. Absolutely, like they being someone who loves motorsport and things like that. You know, very much seen them take a, a very big foothold, not only in you know in with cars, but with bikes and you know those aeroplanes that fly around you know twenty feet off the ground through those you know, anything that's sort of extreme mountain biking, you know, all that sort of stuff that they've, they've basically said, well, you know, and, and they, I think there was a stat that I heard last year, something, something like in the next couple of years, they'll actually make more revenue from their content than they will from their drink, because I think they know their drink has a, as a shelf life where people will then move on to something else because it would have been around for, for a period of time that they're actually become a content company and and i like the fact that you talk about now that it's not just about say a, a thought leadership brand or a personal brand we had a, a guest on our podcast earlier on one of our earlier episodes uh, jen jevons who owns a um, digital agency uh, you know no, no, uh, called pixel palace where they you know produce websites and and help people to get and understand their their actual brand and their message and one of the things that i realized because they've just done that work for us late last year for my business for my personal brand and are working on you know some some rebrand and a, and, a, and a website and copy and all that sort of stuff. I wasn't initially convinced until I saw them do the actual research into who is it that I'm talking to and what is it they want to hear. So we'd put out content that we thought was landing correctly, but what we found is we were fishing with the you know the frozen prawns from the service station in Botany Bay with everybody else 
fishing for whatever we can possibly get to attach on the end, whether it's a, you know, a, a, a puffer fish, a shark, a stingray or, you know, whatever, a, a brim, it didn't matter. It was just like, we're just hoping to catch anything and to, to feed us, so to speak. What I, where do you see the importance in actually having people, if they're really serious about where their business is at and marketing, is actually having an understanding of who is their target client who and what is their message what do they stand for like how important do you feel that is before people go and start you know throwing money at marketing to actually get really really clear what they stand for and what they're actually who they're marketing to yeah this is so important and one of the phrases that you put in there is is the key that unlocks that as well that whole conversation and finding the right people to talk to is what you stand for and that is something that's becoming more and more coming to the fore in marketing generally these days as people are not just buying into the identity of what a a, a brand does this they they're also buying into what the brand stands for well i ran a panel discussion last week at an australian marketing institute event where I interviewed and had a discussion with brands along the lines of Patagonia. And we were talking about that whole thing around brands with a purpose. And this is something that's equally important for both now big brands as well as for even for smaller brands. It's just executed differently. But people want to know not, they want to know two things. So in the past, there was there's this thing and you you'll be familiar with it as will your listeners the transformation so how does this brand this product or service take me from where i am now to where i want to go which is like the the journey from a to b and then there is and if you could as a as a brand show that you do that journey really really well well then it was a no brainer for people to you know buy products or services then you know, probably, oh, look, you know, maybe five to 10 years ago, corporate social responsibility and doing things for a purpose and having values and all of that. I mean, good brands have always done that. There's no question about that, but it came to the fore as something that then the general population started to expect from all brands. And so as that happened, people that, then- That was the new baseline. That, that's, exactly. That's like, people started well, asking- I'm only going to talk to you unless you- Ethical, sustainable. How are you making the world a better place, the planet? What social good are you doing? What are you, you know, what does your brand stand for? And there was a point at which, you know, the product or service could be okay. But if this organization was doing amazing things in the world, then that would be a draw card enough for them to actually win business. But we're going into a season now or a new era, which is really, you know, it's exciting. It's going to be challenging for many people where it's no longer going to be an either or game. It's going to be a both and game. And so for brands thinking about how do they be excellent at what they do and deliver on the promise? Because that's effectively what a good brand does. It delivers on the promise consistently that it makes. But then also what what social impact or what environmental impact or what other type of impact is that brand having and how do they demonstrate it's not just lip service to actually the the transformation that they're having at a macro level and the brands that can nail both of those things are very very sweetly primed to stand out in what is a very you know oversaturated and cluttered noisy marketplace at the moment. Total, totally agree with that. And if I've seen a, an, an observing marketing, I observe marketing on social and other platforms to see what people are doing and, you know, what's kind of the leading edge ideally of where what what 
things of people testing and measuring. And you can definitely see that shift towards, you know, sustainability, you know, things like laundry detergents that don't have any plastic and uh, the, who gives a crap again, doesn't have any plastic and deliver your toilet rolls. And obviously they had a bit of a, a spike in their attention when people bought all the toilet paper. But, but we had a bit of a joke about it at the start, right? When we talked about, you know, are you Windows or Mac, right? Because the thing is that Windows is kind of the, as I see it from a branding perspective, Windows is the kind of thing you have because you've always had it. Mac is something you have because you you believe in or you feel aligned to what they stand for. Because are my AirPod, AirPod Pros actually worth that much more than another brand's AirPod Pros because they have an Apple symbol on them? Are they that much better? I would say no, they're not. I said I would say that part of that purchase is the fact that it stands for something. And, and where people are willing to pay that extra, like any you know, luxury brand or any you know, other brand, they're not f- five times as good, though they might be five times as good. You're price. just an Apple guy. Like you find yourself aligning to a tribe and your van's shoes and all the rest of it creates the assembly of all these different brands creates your brand in itself, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we, I won't go too much deeper than here, but for, just safe to say this, when people identify with brands and the aspect, the, the the characteristics that those brands are exuding, they are actually self-identifying with those characteristics and internalizing those characteristics. And that's why it's delicate ground for a brand. And that's why they have to be really protective around how they position themselves, how they stand for, who they support, et cetera, because people internalize that brand and what they stand for and take it on as something, you know, of themselves, which is why. One of the most memorable campaigns was that Apple campaign where it had the young kind of trendy guy and then it had the stuffy guy in the suit and, and the young guy was Apple and the, the trendy guy was, was, you know, Microsoft or Windows or something like that. And it, that was a great way of actually breaking that brand out from the old, you know. You see Microsoft has flipped that. Yeah, I have seen that now. Yeah. They've now gone the other the way. The Mac guy works for them and <laughs> Apple. So Nina, why do small businesses who are struggling to deliver their services and can't find enough money for marketing, why do they fail and why do they make those decisions? And why is that decision the wrong decision to make in terms of if you're going to cut spending, cut it from your marketing budget? Yeah, marketing, it's it's a hard question to answer because a lot of people don't approach marketing from a strategic perspective. They throw money at tactics and then go, oh, I didn't get a return on investment. So it's marketing. Is it it the point it's it's the difference between advertising versus marketing? Is that, does that come into play? Because I know that people kind of throw those two words around like they mean exactly the same thing. Not really because advertising, you, you literally paying to get your message in front of someone. So it's, it's it kind of sits under the same umbrella, whereas marketing is the overall concerted approach to communicate a message via whatever channels um, could be paid, owned or earned to a particular, and it's the curation of that message as well. So, yes, there's a lot of crossover, but, you know, if someone went and spent uh, quote-unquote marketing money on, you know, a dodgy SEO consultant overseas or, well, not any country, to be honest, nothing to do with the geographical location and didn't understand what they were asked, were, were, were buying and got taken for a ride, you know, it's really sad that they would then go, oh, well, 
marketing doesn't work. And same as people who go and spend a whole lot of money on a fancy fandangled website that might potentially look the bee's knees, but it sucks when it comes to articulating the value proposition of the brand and the brand story and the copy and, you know, the, the messaging is, is, is off and they go, oh, you know, we spent, you know, $10,000, $20,000 on a website marketing doesn't work. It's really about having the right strategy from the outset and understanding, well, what is the role that marketing needs to play to achieve the business goals? What is the first and next, you know, milestone or KPI that we need to to reach and set that and then reverse engineer? Well, what tactics do we need to engage in to reach that goal? And then what are the benchmarks that we put in place to see are they working or not? Um, and just having that, you know, and, and, and that's where I think that the, the, the role of a holistic marketer who understands strategy, planning, brand, foundation, as well as the, the tactical and the execution side comes, you know, is, is, is really important and is a lot of times lost these days in a sea of shiny new silver bullet tactics. Nana, what I'm hearing is you need to be really strategic and deliberate about your marketing and not just kind of willy-nilly try this try that and discipline you can you can feel you can feel nina coming through the screen with that really analytical disciplined approach systems based and stick to or hold the line just stick to it and commit to, to that message you're not talking like a flowery creative type nina. no simply- because i know that we're talking to real people who have real problems and, you know, who are paying real money from their pockets to try and solve these problems. And you want to make sure that you're putting that precious dollars in the right place. It's going to get you the best return on investment because if it's not, you're wasting your money. And to kind of bring it back to, I guess, the area of marketing because, you know, marketing is so broad, so broad. It's almost like, and I'll just say this before I give you my my take on the content marketing side, but, and, and just by way of that, like I've chosen to focus more specifically in the last few years on content marketing because it's definitely the fastest growth area. It's the area that's taking a lot of prominence in marketing at the moment. And it is really most marketing is moving towards becoming content marketing. So I decided as an agency to move away from a full service model that does, you know, everything and really zero in on content because that's something that you know I I really wanted you know to 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 go deeper on but so in terms of and now I forgot my original thought very dangerous saying before I say that I'm going to say that was the question back. about not wasting <laughs> money and having a or not, not investing in marketing so just for startup I can't afford yes to pay anyone to do my marketing strategy at, and why that's not a great idea yes 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 okay <laughs> Now, I had a really great thought that I'd forgotten, but anyway, I'm, I, I'm going to tell you some, tell you a story which will exactly explain why it's really important to take a considered strategic and consistent approach to marketing, but also evaluate it all the time. So you want to have a healthy balance. On the one hand, you don't want to just try something and then just give up because it didn't work straight away. But on the other hand, you don't want to do something for two years and, you know, the definition of insanity that we all, you know, hear about, you know, doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. So somewhere in the middle is, you know, your happy medium. So when it comes to you know, content marketing, for example, a lot of people don't understand that it takes time to get results, right? You have to 
actually do it consistently over a period of time. And it's not a single piece of content that all of a sudden is the magic bullet and has, you know, the, the, takes you from zero to hero within the space of a few days. It is the consistent methodical approach over a long period of time that the cumulative effect of all of those things together that makes the cut through. So someone might have a piece that goes viral. There are plenty of people who've had stuff go viral. It didn't affect their business. You know, they got a spike in attention for a week or two, but that didn't actually change things. And conversely, I know plenty of examples of people who've plugged away at it consistently and they may have done less, but because they've shown up consistently and they've seen steady, you know, they've they've gone on a steady growth trajectory, it's actually made a difference. So if you imagine it, like my, I want to get a little bit practical here because I think that's going to help your listeners as well, rather than just kind of talking, you know, big picture stuff of strategy and all the rest. If you are thinking, okay, I want to actually do marketing. I want to do content marketing. So there's a few, a few big mistakes people make. One is not aligning what they want to do to the end goal. So if they want to sell, you know, sell more widgets, what needs to happen for the customer for them to actually, you know, get to a place where they, they, they want to buy, you know, what problems are they having? What conversations do they need to have, et cetera. If someone's wanting to, you know, build a personal brand, they're wanting to attract an audience, they're wanting to those the, the audience to ultimately buy things from them, then that's a different conversation, a different type of, going to be a different type of objective goal there. If someone is a professional services business or an agency or technology company and, you know, they're in the business to business environment, content is still going to be key, but it's going to be different again. So understanding what type of industry you're in, who you're wanting to attract and how what what process they're going to go through to engage with you will very much inform your strategy. But what you want to do and, and not forget is that last piece of how do you, once you've brought them into your world through the type of content that you know you know is going to resonate with them, how do you actually build that bridge from follower to customer? How do you make make that invitation but in a you know, not in a, a pushy sales way. And content can actually do that. Content, can, good content can have that magnetic effect, especially thought leadership content, where you're putting this stuff out there and people are like, oh my gosh, I want to work with that person. They actually are contacting you. I think that comes down to the that that saying, Nina, that, that, you know, people buy from the people that they know, like, and trust. And to me, the content marketing is that it's building those opportunities where you don't have to sit in front of somebody live like this, whether it's Zoom or in person or on the phone and talk to them, that your content will start to already build that knowing you, liking you and trusting you before you even transact. And I mean, clearly, we, clearly we, we're not going to you know, meet someone for this first date and in five minutes say, hey, how about we get married? You, people in when they're buying in that buying journey now also want to understand that what are they getting themselves into before they make that commitment and make that decision? You know, and that's I think that's you know extension to to what to what you're saying there as well. I guess the the other the other piece then is you know what I'm hearing too, and working with a lot of small businesses in in minor circle group as well is that is that ex- negative experience people are having and it, it acts like a handbrake is if they have got someone that it's that it's you know it's negative they're having experience it's negative that they actually stop and that's the worst thing they can do. You know, my view is that you need to find someone that knows somebody that they can recommend to you that actually can deliver on that promise, whether it's for SEO or strategic marketing or someone producing your content or whatever it is. But there's always those horror stories. 
but like any industry, you know, at least 80% of any industry are average or below, you've got to be in that top 20 or even 10% of the service providers that that will actually give you an outcome and hold them accountable. You know, what I see too many times is like, I'm paying this person $3,000 a month. How long have you been doing that for? Six months. What result are you getting? Oh, I don't know. So we'll just give me $3,000 a month and I won't give you any result and we'll be in the same place. You know, it, to me, it, it, as a, particularly for small business owners, you cannot focus on that one bad experience to stop you from doing what you just suggested, Nina, which is be really strategic, you know, be deliberate, be consistent. There's no free lunch either. Just because you pay someone to do your marketing, magic doesn't happen. I think that's really important. You've got to create great content. You've got to have a great product. As you say, Nina, when they arrive at you, they want to buy. Yeah. And this is the thing about content. And I'm I'm for other types of marketing as well. I'm for advertising. I'm for um, publicity. I'm for all of those things. But I'm for those in the context of having a really, really solid base and not just relying on those things. So you think about people who whose entire business model revolved around ad, you know, social media advertising and what happens when a platform goes down or their ad account is banned or they just lose so much whereas people and also it's very it's not built on substance it can be it's very shallow and whereas if if someone has a really solid content base to draw on well they can do their marketing in in many instances if need be independently of all of those other things but then doing all those other things are just like putting what do you call it? Petrol, uh, putting fire on the petrol kind of just to explode what's already, putting petrol on the fire to explode what's already burning. Well, to me, to me I see that, to, well, to me, I see your, your, mark, your marketing strategy is the top of the table and your advertising, your PR and all sort of stuff, they're your legs of the table. The content is, an, is a leg of the table. It's holding up your marketing strategy. Because as you said, it's about making sure that, you know, we're not just doing advertising. We're not just focused on getting one source of clients just through Facebook, for example, because as you said, if something happens with the account, they close it, your whole business could just stop overnight. And I think marketing to me is that, is, as I said, that, that solid foundation, that solid tabletop, you've got to have your legs underneath it to hold it up and to, again, be strategic. Now, I'm sure we can continue for hours to talk about marketing, to nuance, strategy, tactics, all that sort of stuff. But we're getting pretty close to, to wrapping it up. But I'd, I'd love to ask you a question. More so, more so in the, you know, if you were to go back yourself 26 years ago, you said you've been in this industry. What you know now in this industry, if you go back to yourself 26 years ago, what would you tell yourself about now, about this, this period of time that we're going through right now? Hmm, that's a really interesting question. Wish you gave me that one in advance to, to noodle over. <laughs> I would say that there is a time coming when this industry is going to be so hot, so in demand, so needed by businesses everywhere, and they're finally going to know it. And so rather than marketers fighting for a seat at the table, especially in the larger organisations, you are going to one day be the ones that leadership, the C-suite, that, you know, people are looking to, to help guide them through these times. And I think it's really, really exciting in so many respects. In one respect, it is 
somewhat like the Wild West at the moment with so much change, you know, accelerated in so many ways, but that represents so much opportunity as well. And so personally, I'm fascinated by change. I'm fascinated by growth. I'm fascinated by opportunity and the ability kind of to bring full circle, to lean into the things that you really, really love doing. And I think that today's environment absolutely does that for marketers. And there is not a dull day. There is not a boring day. And if I contrast that to, you know, what things used to be like kind of two decades ago, that is probably the biggest shift. It's just so dynamic at the moment. And, you know, for me, that's absolutely to be enjoyed. Awesome. Now, that's great. Thanks so much for sharing insights into what's obviously vast experience and knowledge uh, in marketing. And it's really cool to and assuring to hear your, the way that you talk about it. There are processes and methodologies and you can be successful and you can drive uh, fantastic marketing campaigns. You just got to demonstrate Sean's favorite attribute uh, being consistency. Yeah. Show up, deliver the same thing and stay on point. And can I add one thing to that, that I just think might be helpful to your listeners? Just from putting actual time periods to that, whatever activity you are embarking on, give it a good, ideally three months is a good period of time to test if something's working. You might see results beforehand and that's great. If it's not working, um, and you're not seeing, and when I say when it's not working, I don't mean it's like solved everything, but are you going in a positive trajectory, for example, especially with your content marketing and things like that? Because it's like planting a seed. If you plant it and you uproot it before you even give it a chance to grow, you're not actually going to get the tree. And that's what you want to do with, with, and with, with your marketing, with any sort of marketing, but especially the content marketing. You want to plant those seeds. You want to water them. You want to tend them and give them the environment to grow because you want to have that solid digital footprint that's going to work for you for many, many years to come. And that's the essence of good brand building. And, yeah, I think that's, you know, just I just wanted to leave a very practical takeaway as well with, with people who are thinking, well, yeah, how do I be consistent? But how do I, you know, strike a balance between doing the same thing forever and it's not working? You know, just looking for for the, you know, having a couple of KPIs or indicators that are aligned with your strategic goals and say, look, after, you know, month one, month two, month three, are we moving closer to that goal in which case that's a positive thing. If it's not making any difference after three months, then it's a good time to try something else. That's brilliant. Now, Nina, if people are looking to get more information off you, learn more about marketing, suck all the knowledge out of that amazing brain of yours, uh, they can find you on ninachristian.com. Absolutely. And I'm sure uh, you would love to help people, particularly those who have got a meaningful enterprise help them get their message out there and help them win. Absolutely. Yes, I have a really cool guide as well, which is, is a, taking someone right through the process of how to build authority through thought leadership and harness the power of content. So you can get that at ninachristian.com forward slash roadmap, kind of crystallizes a lot of the thoughts that we've just touched on very briefly today. Fantastic. And just want to say a massive uh, thank you for your time today, Nana. Uh, looking forward to sharing this episode and hope that if you've, uh, you've, you know, you've had a chance to listen to this episode, feel free to reach out to Nina as well. But other than that, I want to thank you so much for sharing your uh, expertise and wisdom from the last 26 years in the marketing field. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Sean and Boo. Thanks, Nina. Take care. Bye. 
This has been The Few Podcast with Boo and Sean. If you've got value from this episode and you would like to support us, please share it with your friends. If you're posting this on social media, use the hashtag The Few so we can see who's listening. The Few Podcast is recorded at Momentum Media in Sydney, Australia. To listen to more episodes, visit us at fewpodcast.com and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Dream big, keep pushing, and one day you can become one of the few. We'll see you next week.